Well, we are going to be in Acts 17 today. And uh, just to catch you up on the story, you know, Paul's on this missionary trip. He goes to uh, Thessalonica and Berea in this area, and trouble follows him. I won't say he causes trouble. Um, I'll say trouble follows him. And he gets uh, shipped out of these places, and he ends up in Athens. And that's where we're going to pick it up today in, uh, in verse 16. But before we get there, I just want to, to have this moment. Have you ever had that, that time in your life when maybe you're walking around the store and you see, you know, a, a shirt or or something, and you go, oh, that's just really nice. I'd, I'd love to have that, and that's great. So you, you buy that shirt, and then you wear it, and then you walk around the next day, and you see the 15 other people who liked that. So have you ever had that, you know? And you don't pay attention to it until something, something grabs your attention, then all of a sudden you, you, see them, you see them everywhere. You know, it's something I've said all the time. When, when you are maybe young, married, and you don't have, you don't have kids, uh, if I can remember that far back, you know, if you, you don't have kids and you don't see anything that has to do with preschoolers, you don't see anything that has to do with diapers, you don't see, but then all of a sudden you have a kid and whew, all these things become important, right? You know, and, or maybe it's a retirement type thing, you know, you're, you're living life, you're not thinking about retirement, you're not seeing these type of things, but then maybe as you get closer to that age and you start noticing, oh wow, I need to pay attention to these, oh good night, and, and so much about what we see in the world has everything to do with, with how we're brought up. It has to do with what we choose to see. It has to, has to do with where we put ourselves. And all these things put together, you can call it, it's a worldview. And each of us has a worldview that we live by. And our worldview is affected, obviously, by the things that we put into our life or the things that surround us in our life or the things that we're close by in life. And what we have in our worldview affects how we see the world around us. We can be in the same place with people who are at a different stage of life or maybe who people who believe differently or think differently. We can be experiencing the same thing and yet see something that's totally different than somebody else, right? You ever had that moment? I mean, and that, that's what it is. And this story today, I believe, is one of those moments. And it's what, it's what I want us to focus in on. There's so much with this. Uh, but this is the part that I really want us to just narrow it down and, and notice this today. Notice what Paul sees as he's here in Athens. It says in verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them, them being the rest of his missionary party, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue, now we talked about this a few times, that everywhere Paul went, he, he kind of went to church, he went to the synagogue first and, and started with the leaders that were there trying to teach and preach that Jesus was the Christ. And so it says in verse 17, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worship God, as well as in the marketplace every day, those who happen to be there. I love that. Paul went to Walmart, okay? And he was talking to people about Jesus. That's, that's where he was. He was getting out everywhere he could go to just reason and talk with people about Jesus. It says some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Now, I don't have time to get into that, but we'll just say those are different worldviews. Um, and, and so there are people who are coming at this from different angles. And I love this is what they said. Some looked at Paul and said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? 
Oh, thank you. That's encouraging, isn't it? I mean, you're, you're trying to share some things and somebody, oh, what's this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied this. He seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you are presenting because what you say sounds strange to us. And we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else but telling or hearing something new. And I'm going to stop right there, and we're going to come to the end of this passage later in the, in the service. But here's what's going on. Paul is by himself. He's in Athens. He's waiting for the rest of his missionary crew. But as he, as he looks around Athens, he notices something that actually disturbs him about the place where he is. He looks around and he sees that the place is full of idols. And so he goes to the synagogue and he goes to the marketplace and he's talking with these people and he's trying to figure out who they are and where they're coming from and what they believe and how they think. And he's trying to share with them the message of hope and the message of peace that comes from Jesus Christ. And these people listening to him, some of them are going, man, you're just an ignorant show-off. and We don't even want to talk to you. And some of the other people are interested simply because it's something new. And they love just hearing something new. And so they say, well, let's take him to the place, the era, the era I can't ever have told you. I told you, I just struggle with these words sometimes. He took him to the theater. How about that? And it was up on the side of the hill. And it's this place where everybody would gather and they would come around him, and they would, people would talk. And, and when we say that people would talk, they would give these two- and three-hour speeches, and people would just sit there and listen to people just sharing these philosophies and these things all day long. And so Paul had this opportunity to do this, and so he's, he's here, and he's teaching, and, and this is the picture of this is the place where he is where it just sounds like, wow, all these people are just trying to take this stuff in. But here's what you need to understand. Paul... Paul was able to see Athens. Paul saw Athens through God's eyes. And, and you may have been to church before, or you may have heard somebody use that phrase before. You know, well, we, we don't need to look at this thing through our own eyes. We need to look at it through God's eyes. Well, what in the world are people talking about? I, I can't physically take God's eyes, obviously, and put them in mind and see. So how in the world does somebody gain this ability to be able to see things the way that God sees things? And that's actually where Paul was. As, as other people were walking around Athens, what we know about Paul is what he saw in Athens deeply disturbed him. And what deeply disturbed him about it was that the city was full of idols. Now, the city was full of idols. It seemed to be even perhaps in some odd way a very religious place where it really was this picture of people trying to find their way to God or a God if you will. And you would think that there would be something about that that may excite a missionary to go, wow, this is, this is really cool. There are people here who are hungry to hear about God, to know about God, and to see. But actually it distressed Paul because what he saw was there were so many things and so many ways that people were trying to figure this out. It was distressing to him. You know, others probably just looked at Athens. Maybe, maybe someone who grew up in Athens, you know, and they're just looking at, ah, it's just, it's just Athens, you know. Maybe they made Keep Athens weird shirts. I don't know. I, who knows what they did. But many of them were probably just feeling good about being in Athens. They thought, we're an open-minded people. We're smart. You know, we like to hear about new things. We're open-minded. We're very tolerating 
of other ideas. And, that, you know, that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? And we're even a religious place. We, we, let people, we let people worship however they want. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? But yet when Paul looked at it, he said, you know what bothers me about this place is it's just full of idols. It's full of distractions. It's full of things that are striving to get your attention and to pull you away from the one true God. So Paul didn't look at Athens and go, this is great. Paul looked at Athens and said, my heart breaks. My heart breaks for this city. My heart breaks for this place. My heart breaks for this people. He was deeply distressed. And so when he saw it through God's eyes and was deeply distressed, it's just something that we should take note of. And how is it that Paul was able to see things that so many other people could not see or would not see? I think that's a great question for us to wrestle with this morning. How is it that Paul could be in the same place with all these other people in this, in this city that looked like it was progressive and good and, and active, and, and yet he's distressed while other people are saying, cool, I'm in Athens. This is the greatest place ever. So this is going to sound a bit negative, and I really don't intend for it to sound this negative, but hear me out. <laughs> if you don't see some things in our culture, and even in our very own town of Weatherford, which I love, that deeply distresses you, then you might need to have your vision checked this morning. Stand up here and talk about, oh my gosh, this is all going, you know, this is just all going downhill. No, I, I believe that God brings us hope, he brings us fur. When peace and he gives us an opportunity to share that with others. However, when we don't take into consideration through God's eyes the things that are going on around us, we obviously miss some things. So if you don't see some things in our culture, and if you don't see some, you know, a lot of times we talk about culture, and this is why I'm real careful to say Weatherford, not Washington, D.C., okay? Not them Yankees up north, all right? Not them Californians either. I'm talking about weather. I'm talking about your neighbor, okay? I'm talking about if you don't see some things that are happening in our middle schools and elementary schools and high schools, if you don't see some things that are happening in our city government, if you don't see some things that are happening in the homes of the people sitting on the rows around you, if you don't see some things happening in our own place that deeply distress you, then perhaps you need to have your vision checked. Perhaps you're just kind of like some of the people who grew up in Athens and just went, hey, it's Athens. It's kind of cool to live in Athens, you know. Hey, at least we're not wherever else. And that's kind of the way they thought. Why is this so important to me? Here's why this is important to me this morning. This is a phrase that's in your notes. You can write this down. When I see clearly, I will feel correctly. Now, you need to understand what I'm saying here. When we learn to see correctly, what's going on around us, then we will feel correctly about what's going on around it. Paul saw correctly what was happening in Athens. It was a place that was full of idols. And his feelings followed what he saw. When he saw correctly that this place was full of idols, his heart was broken and he was deeply distressed. And when we are able to see the things around us, our feelings will follow that, and we will have appropriate type of feelings for our world and for those around us. Now, we have to have two things, two kinds of love, two kinds of love to see things correctly in this world. And this is one of the things we see from Paul here. 
First thing, you have to receive the love of God in your life to be able to see and interpret the world correctly. If you are familiar at all with the story of Paul, Paul was a man who was a persecutor of Christians. He was a murderer. He was actively against Christianity, and he was doing everything he could to squash it out and to end it. He met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus and was incredibly transformed and saved and is now fast-forwarded about 15 years, and we see him as a missionary and out doing these great works because he spent time with God. But here's the thing that you, we, we need to hear in this story. Paul had to first receive the love of God before he could interpret the world around him correctly. Without the love of God in his life, he saw the things that were Christians as doing as foolish, as harmful, as hateful, as anything but good. Does that sound familiar in our world as well? Takes the things that are good and just turns it all the way upside down because without the love of God in your heart, without accepting that gift of Jesus Christ, what these people are doing just seems like foolishness. As a matter of fact, it might even seem like opposition to the things that we're trying to accomplish and so they were going to stand against it. Paul had to receive the love of God. And we need to understand this. Paul could have rejected the love of God. You realize that. Paul could have been met by Jesus on the road to Damascus and just ran and said, no, thank you. Or it could, he could have doubled down and said, now I know who my enemy is face to face, and I'm just going to get after that. But he didn't. He received it. And even though, and this is key, and I need everyone to hear this, even though Paul was caught in the act by God doing some very horrible things, he had to receive the love of God. And at this point in, the, in his life, you need to understand that he cannot let shame and guilt or his past keep him from doing the things that he needs to do. And that's a message that some of us need to hear this morning. Some of us are all about receiving the love of God, but yet we haven't forgiven ourselves. We, we haven't really applied it to our lives. We think that there's something that we've done or there's some way that we're so messed up or so broken that God can't possibly use me. But we need to look at the example of Paul and we need to first realize that he had to receive the love of God that was poured out on him, that Jesus met him on the road while he was on the way to murder Christians. And said, Paul, I need you to know that you're heading in a wrong way. And I need you to know my love. And Jesus Christ poured out his love on Paul. And we need to put ourselves in this position of thinking, my word, can you imagine the guilt and the shame that Paul had to deal with in his life? Let's get real about it. Because the truth is there are a lot of people who are really wanting to hold on to and come to know the love of Christ. But what's keeping you from doing it sometimes is guilt and shame. And so for you to be able to see the world correctly, you need to understand that Jesus Christ loves you on the road that you're on right where you are. He doesn't want it to stay the same. He has something better for you, but you have to first receive it. And that's the first thing that happens when you receive God's love. That's the first piece of then being able to see the world and interpret the world correctly. But the second thing is this. Second, you have to be able to love others. You have to have a genuine love and desire for other people around you to be blessed. You need to be actively working on blessing others and I've said this before, it is such a mark of maturity 
as an adult and, and as a believer is that you need to be able to be ecstatic when things go good for someone else. You know, sometimes when we, when we have somebody that gets something that we want or does something that we wish we could do or has something, and, and we may smile and throw our teeth, go, oh, that's good for them. But if our heart's going, I wish I had one of those. I wish that would have been me. Why couldn't that have been me? Then there's, there's a little bit of a love issue that we have to work on. You know how I know this? Experience. So before you think, well, pastor, that's kind of hard. I know these things through experience, not from getting them all right. But, man, it's just a mark of maturity sometimes to be able to look at people and go, their life's going great. And especially when you're at a season of life where it doesn't seem like things are going great. I say this all the time, but I just need you to let this sink into you. You realize you can look around this room, and some people are having the best week they've ever had, and some people are having the worst week they ever had. And we're all here to come to the feet of the cross and say, God, I need you. Whether it be in the midst of a high time of your life or whether it be in the midst of a low time in your life. And God gives us one another so that we can encourage and love and support one another. You're walking through a good time in life so that you can be an encouragement for someone who's not. You're walking through a low time in life, but you're not alone. You have other people who can come around. And this is what Paul understood is that first of all, he had to receive the love of God first in his life. But then not only that, he had to then become a person who loves other people. Would it be safe to say that Paul was a person who hated other people? I mean, if you're going to go around and kill them, I don't think you can pretty much do worse than that. And as a matter of fact, Paul takes credit for being the worst of all sinners in the book of 1 Timothy. And so this is such a heart change that happens. And that's, that's why it's difficult at times for us to actually accept and move forward with the love of God because maybe we have some guilt and some shame from our broken past. And look... I'll just tell you this, coming to Christ doesn't take away our consequences. It doesn't take away the results of the things that we've done. There are people in my life that I wish I could go back and apologize to. I wish I could have never done some things to, and I wish I, all these type of things. It doesn't change all that, but God's love covers all that. And, and he gives us grace and forgiveness even in the midst of our brokenness. And we have to be able to forgive ourselves to be able to move forward. And then we have to be able to turn that around and truly turn that into love for other people. And that's why the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says it all starts right here. And so Paul is standing in Athens, having received the love of God in his broken and sinful life, a person who's received abundant grace because of the things that he's done in the past, probably wrestling with guilt and shame, but he looks through God's eyes and he sees a land full of idols, and because of his love for people, He's motivated then to do some things, and that's why he gets to work. You see, some people just don't want to look at others and see their need for Jesus because it just reminds us of our own, and sometimes that's difficult. And the truth is, like Paul, we have to deal with our own issues in a right way, and then we're more able to help those around us with their issues. And that's why we talk about all the time what it means to be fully known and fully loved by God. And you just need to hear this. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so you need, to, you need to know that guilt and shame has no place in the life of a believer. Not that we don't struggle with it, but it has no place in the life of a believer because the word already tells us that while we were still sinners, while we were on our own road to Damascus, Christ died for us and met us at that place so that we can be a light for him in this world. 
So we can have light in our own heart, in our own life, but then so that we can share that with other people. So you have to accept that love of Christ into your life amidst our brokenness and hurt and pain. And then you need to receive that love and grace so that you can then see the world correctly and interpret it in a different way. It's amazing how different the world becomes when you begin to interpret it through God's eyes. So here's why this is important. How I see the world will affect what I do. That's just the bottom line. However you see and interpret the world around you, it affects what you do. If you look at the world around us and think, well, nothing's wrong with it, then you're not going to do anything. But when Paul looked at the world around him and said, this place is full of idols, he went to work. Paul took the message to the people. That's what he did. Paul didn't just sit in Athens waiting for his friends and going, and when they got here, man, we need to have a Bible study and talk about all these people. That's not what Paul did. Paul said, well, while I'm waiting, <laughs> I'm going to go take this message to the people. And he, he took it to the church because here's the truth. There's some people in the church that need to hear this message. He took it to the marketplace because there's people in the marketplace that need to hear this message. And then God also graciously gave Paul a platform that went beyond the marketplace and the church and where, where people would just come and hear this message. And so Paul took this message out to people. Now, I want to look closely. What was Paul's message? And this is going to be quick. I'm just going to tell you this. But I just want you to pick up the highlights of what were the things that Paul shared in his message in a land full of people pursuing idols. What was the thing that Paul said, I'm going to stand in front of these people and I'm going to share these things. Now, you need to understand, I said this earlier. Most people, when they were in the A theater, okay, Oropagus, I can say it, um, in the theater, they had these two three-hour speeches. And so what we get here, we get, Paul's, we get Paul's cliff notes here. But this is what Paul says. It says, Paul stood in the middle of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you're extremely religious in every aspect. For as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. In verse 24, he says, The God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by hands. So the first thing in Paul's message is he said that God is creator. God is creator. The first thing that he needed to let people know is that the person who started all this is, a, is real. He is God of all, and he, he created everything that you see. In verse 25, he goes on to say, Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. Paul says God is not only creator, but God is sustainer. So as he's standing in a place full of idols, he first says there's a God who's creator, there's a God who is sustainer. He goes on in verse 26. He says, from one man he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. God is ruler. God is ruler. He rules over all things. You might not believe it. And if you don't believe it, you certainly might not see it. But just because you don't believe it and just because you don't see it does not make it true, untrue. It is very true. 
And so Paul is saying there is a God who is a ruler. But then he turns a corner here in verse 27. It says that he, God, did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And this is a message for us today as well. God can be known. God can be known. He already knows you. You are fully known and fully loved by God. But God can also be known by you. He did this so that he created all these things. He sustains all these things. He sets these boundaries and he rules all these things so that you will have the ability to reach out to him. It says in verse 28, For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. And since we are God's offspring, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human heart and imagination. He says that God gives life. Paul says God gives life. These idols will never give you life. These things that are just stone and gold and inanimate, they're never going to give you life. They're never going to give you happiness. But God gives life. And so Paul shares that. And then he shares the very necessary part of the gospel, and it's this. He says, therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has set a day where he's going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Paul is saying God is patient in his judgment. But he's sharing with people that there's a God who is patient in his judgment, but the day has now come when God is calling everyone to repentance to leave their life of sin and leave their life of self-pursuit and to come in repentance to God because a day is coming when God is going to judge the world. And then it says in verse 32, once Paul mentioned resurrection of the dead, it says, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him. But others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed, including, yeah, D-man and A-man and a woman named Demarius and others with them. I'm so glad y'all don't name your children these names anymore. I would never get them right. Okay? And so what happens again is what happens everywhere Paul went. Paul shares a message and there are some who come and they know Christ. And then there are others who are offended by this and who are separated. So every time the gospel is shared, we need to understand that it does bring about a little bit of a conflict. It's a conflict that happens first inside someone's heart because they have to come to the place where they go, is this what I really believe or is this what I want to do? And sometimes they just push that away because they don't want to hear it. They don't want to deal with that because they're looking at the world from a, from a perspective that says this, this can't be right. This can't be true. But sometimes God breaks through. And I love Paul's message, and we're just going to review it again real quick. He says very, very, very clearly in a place that's full of idols, God is creator. God is sustainer. God is ruler. God can be known. You don't have to do this unknown God inscription. God can be known. And God gives life to us. And he has been patient with us while we try to figure this out in our own way. But the day is coming when judgment will happen. And we need to make sure that we're on the right side 
of God's love. You see, this whole message series, we're calling it a life of impact. And this honestly is a message that can be heard two different ways this morning. Perhaps you're someone who does not have a faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're just at church trying to figure this out or listening for the first time. Well, you need to hear the exact message that Paul shared to them. There's a God who created you. He sustains you, and he gives you everything that you have. He is ruler, even though you may not acknowledge it right now. God is in charge of this crazy world right now, and he can be known. He has done all these things so that you would have the opportunity to to come to him. And when you come to God and you give him your life, then he truly gives you life on this earth and life eternal. But God is patient with us now, but there is a day coming where his judgment will come. And so you need to decide today whether you're going to accept that or reject that. And I promise you that when you choose to follow Christ, you'll begin to see the world in a little bit different way than you ever have. And then perhaps there's another group of us in this place who have given our life to Christ. And we would have to honestly say this morning that as we live in Weatherford, Texas, and in the place where we are, that maybe we've just gotten routine. Maybe we've gotten used to the things that we see around us all the time. Maybe we should ask God for a fresh set of eyes to see the things around us the way that he would see the things around us so that we would be compelled to do the things that need to be done that God is calling us to do. And that would be a wonderful prayer for some of us to pray this morning, that God would give us a fresh set of eyes. Because if we want to have a life of impact, we need to understand this. A life of impact will be driven by two things. A life of impact will be driven by truth and tears. A life of impact will be driven by the truth of God because we know God is right. And we know that we want to live this out and we know that we want to share this with other people and we know that they need to hear it. And so our love for God will bring us to a place where we know that people need to hear the truth and we'll be driven by the truth of God's word. We'll also be driven by tears. What do we mean by that? Compassion and a love for other people. When we see the things around us that are causing people to go away from From God, it will be something that will do in our heart what Athens did in Paul's heart. It will cause us to be deeply distressed. It will cause us to come to a place where we go, I have to do something. And I have to do it now. And God can use you in the church. God can use you in the marketplace. And for some of you, God may be building a platform for you to be able to share his gospel message in a way that we've never even imagined if you will follow and accept his word today.